It's a sermon I never thought I would preach. It's a sermon that's very strange to me, because as you know, I normally do a Bible exegesis. And this, when I was preparing this, I did all the preparation on the King's Passage, because I'd said to Andrew, does it have to be all lovey-dovey? <laughs> all lovey-dovey, because it's Valentine's Day. I said, no, no. So I wasn't going to do anything on love. And every time I came to prepare it, God said, no, it's on love. So it's on love. So I looked at what, yes, the next one. I looked at what love meant for me. And I put pictures on there quickly. Well, obviously in the middle is the dog, number one. (laughs) On the left, you've got my family. And yes, the boys are that big now. They were here when they were Diddy. But yes, they're that big now. The Lake District at the top, where obviously I love to go. And then friends and obviously the Newport, our church, carrying my tent when it flooded out at New Wine. That was their love for me, moving me out of the flooding into another place. But as I said, today is Valentine's Day, where the world looks at love. And how they look at love is possibly very different to how we look at love. Can we move on to, Tris? Thank you. So that's what the world thinks love is today. It looks at roses and chocolates and lovely cuddly teddy bears with hearts on them and romantic meals and all that kind of thing. That is what the world thinks love is. We have pictures of people running towards each other, arms outstretched um, in love. Next one, please. And then we have, do we remember the advert, which is the next slide, please, of would, do you love someone enough to give them your last Rolo? Um, if we were here, I'd show you the video, but it wouldn't work so well online. Um, and then obviously, do you, I don't know whether you remember the cartoons. Again, it dates me with things like love is wanting to give her the moon and the stars or love is getting up at 4am to cook his breakfast. But is this, yeah, really, is this the kind of love that the Bible talks about? Now, I looked into this and do you know how many times love is mentioned in the Bible? Well, it depends on your translation. King James only 310, paltry. New Revised Standard Version, 538. But the New International Version is 551. Well, so it depends on the verse, on your translation. But that isn't splitting it into types of love. There are different types of love, as we've looked at before, and I will briefly summarize them. Um, But just to reassure you, I'm not going to go through every 551 verses of love this morning, which I think is a blessing. If you go on a couple of slides, Tris, until you get to types of love. And again, thank you. Now, there are actually somewhere between three and nine, depending on which author you read. This is C.S. Lewis's four, which comes from a book called The Four Loves. So... You've got, I will do my best at my Greek pronunciation. For those people who were watching who are Greek, I thoroughly apologize. So you've got storie, not mentioned in the Bible at all, and that's affection or love between family members. Eros, again, not mentioned in the Bible, and that's the one people more celebrate today. Philia, friendship, love between friends, that is in the Bible. And of course, agape. 
unconditional love, which we summarize as the love of God. Interestingly, when Jesus sort of re, revalues Peter at the end and says to him, do you love me? He uses agape. And Peter replies with philia. And Jesus does it again with agape. And Peter replies with philia. But the third time, Jesus comes to our level and does philia. And Peter replies with philia. I still think that's a lovely sign of God coming to where we are. Because he knows we can't achieve what he sets out, what he can do. We are not capable, but we can aim to. So let's look at our Bible passage today, which is the transfiguration. And just to be confusing, has another word for love, one of the ones I haven't done. So this is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. If you move on to Tris. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain... Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So in this place, he uses the word beloved, my beloved son. He is describing him as beloved, which takes us back to the baptism of Jesus. But here we have the image of Jesus transfigured, shining whiter than anyone could imagine, in his divine body. And many people have tried to represent that in art. Here are two, and you can see also with him, Moses and Elijah, representing the law and the prophets, and the disciples quivering at his feet. Then again, there's another one coming from a church where Jesus there, white as snow. But in verse 9, Jesus gave them the order not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, the use of the Son of Man would take us back to Daniel, which those who were in the same home group as me would know quite a bit about Daniel. And we have looked at that for many months. And you have the image of the Son of Man from Daniel. Next slide, please, Tris. Where it says... In Daniel 7, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion 
that will not, not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is our Jesus. Sometimes we forget that he's not just our friend. You know, those pictures of him holding us, stroking a lamb or something. He is divine as well as human. And then someone who just could not find a way to show that in any other way than light. There is our Jesus. And this amazing, wonderful, incredible Son of Man went to the cross for us, took the punishment for us, for our sins, that we might have eternal life rather than the punishment we deserve. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. Agape love, the love we are called to, self-sacrificial love, the love that John and Paul describe in these passages. Tris, please, next one. So in John 3.16, a passage we all know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And again in John, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. But then Paul talks about it more in Romans. God shows his love for us that that while we were still sinners, we didn't have to be perfect for this, we didn't have to sort ourselves out. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul continues in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amazing. So this Christ, this divine, awesome, amazing Christ, went from being the transfigured Jesus to being the crucified Jesus. He suffered and died for us. God said at the transfiguration, this is my son whom I love. But he also said, listen to him. Now, obviously, Jesus in the Gospels, we have him saying loads of things. And I thought I would just pick the one that he said was the most important, which is this. When he was asked of all the commandments, what is the most important? He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no, greater, no commandment greater than these. Now, I have studied these, as we all have, many, many times, and I've looked into the meanings of soul and mind and the difference and strength what never hit me until I was looking at this sermon was, um, was that it was love. Jesus is telling us to love God and people. That's it. The most important thing we are to do is to love God and love him and love one another. So, firstly, to love God. Is it possible? 
Can we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength? It sounds a huge undertaking. Our fallen nature makes it impossible for us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are simply not capable of such a task. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't give it our best shot. We should strive to do this. We are commanded to do so, and therefore we try. We increase our love for God by knowing him better. Now, I think my last sermon was on intimacy with God, looking at Moses and his relationship. But in, we look, do that by the study of word, prayer, fellowship with other believers who also didn't desire to know and love him, and by seeking to obey and honour God in all things. This leads to a better understanding of him, a greater love for him, and an eagerness to share Jesus Christ with others. When we get to heaven, we are released from all the sin that prevents us from loving God fully. We'll be able to love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. But for now, we do our best, and we strive to do better. But equally, he tells us to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourself. Again, is this possible? Now, my view of myself is one thing. However, people, people are difficult things. Dogs, nice and easy. People, people know. People don't agree with me. I don't understand this. They don't have the same interests, the same views. It's mind-blowing. But thankfully, and I am thankful to God for this, he doesn't ask us to like everybody, which I think would be much harder. He asks us to love everybody. Because, and we have to remember, however much that person disagrees with me, has different views to me, however much I think they are totally wrong, God loves them as much as he loves me. They are equally made in the image of God as I am. They were knit together in their mother's womb by him. God loves everyone else as much as he loves me. And my job is to try and love them as much as he loves me. And that is not easy. I think it's worth considering that everyone was knit together in the womb by God. In the prophecy that Kevin put out on the newsletter, was it two weeks ago? Nine million people who were created by God, disposed of. Nine million We have a huge amount to repent for. Each one of those was loved by God, made in the image of God, and knit together in the womb by God. That was a diversion. (laughs) But we are to be imitators of Christ, and if he loves us and loves everyone else, we must strive to do the same. And that is agape love, self-sacrificial love. Now, this is not an easy call, but we do it because we love as because he first loved us. And in 1 John 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
This is how God showed his love among us, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So that's one way of how we have it because God loves us. But practically, what does it mean? Now we all know 1 Corinthians 13. Stuart preached on it. Um, somewhere before Christmas when we were still preaching like this. I've picked the message version, which I read at my brother's wedding and at his funeral, so it's a special passage for me. But it was, we were to look at it and replace love with our name. So I thought I'd try. Jane never gives up. Jane cares more for others than for self. Jane doesn't want what she doesn't have. Ha! Oh, no, no, it really doesn't work, does it? Um, I clearly need to work harder at loving others. It doesn't, but I think that's true for all of us. Can we put our names in there? But again, as we said before, we strive to do it. We put our best effort into loving other people. And while we're working on that, let's remember what Paul told us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So however badly we're doing at this, he will not stop loving us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God still loves us and nothing can separate us from that love. Whatever we are going through, whatever hardship, loneliness, suffering, grief, illness, anxiety, fear, pain, and I could keep going because this is such a difficult time. Nothing separates us from God's love. And we can run into his arms. He is there just like that person at the beginning with his arms open for us to run into his arms and be held there safe and loved. And let us remember that this is not the love that we are able to give, not the love of the world that focuses on things, but God's love for us, the love that took him to the cross. I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said this much, and he spread out his arms and died. This is how much you are loved. 
and how much we should strive to love others. Amen.